When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back on this stormy night of the Cryptids of the Corn podcast. Stop, you're making me all spooked out. I am the great and powerful Mr. E. And I'm the spooky Jay. And together we will be your guides into the crypt on this week's episode. Oh, the crypt. We put the crypt in cryptid. Exactly. I like it. Bum, bum, bum. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah, happy Halloween. Enjoy your pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. Even <laughs> though it's Americanized now. It's not even pagan. It's been, I know. been pagan in a long time. I just wanted to say it. I think all the real pagans are dead. That's not true. I don't think that's true at all. Like the... Our traditional pay like when the terms are like straight up pagan. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I think Perhaps. the people that homed in on that faith... Perhaps. ...are all extinct. But those practices are still practiced. Well, yeah. That's different. Yeah. I'm saying in other ways. The 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 people that formed it are, are not alive. Are dead. Yeah. Due to reasons. Yes. They're short fire. but not as sharp as others. And they're and they can't resist fire. <laughs> just like a moth, they just keep walking into the flames. Well, I mean, if you light them on fire, they're Oh, I get you. I yeah, get you. <laughs> that's what I meant. Halloween trivia fact. First one of the day. Ooh. Jay. We said it on this morning's episode of uh Crippers and Coffee. Why do we carve pumpkins? Oh, because it keeps the evil spirits and demons from entering your home because they think there's already one there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So yes, basically on Hallow's Night, that's supposed to be when the veil is the, the thinnest between the realms. And the demons try to be very, very efficient when possessing homes. So they will not possess a home that already has a demon. So you you that's why carve you... a scary-looking jack-o'-lantern, and mm-hmm. they're like, ugh. One's already there. And other cultures say that they carve them to be scarier than the things that go bump in the night to help ward those away, too. <sighs> well, the, yeah, we've kind of lost that nowadays, haven't we? Where, like, your pumpkin's, like, throwing up or, like, some cartoon goofy face on there. 
Now, I always try to do something scary. Uh, me and Emily have gotten into pumpkin carving every year. We try to do it. Like, we have a little kit and everything. Did you par- carve one yet? Not yet. We don't do it till like, the week before, so they look fresh for Halloween. Ah, good. So it'll probably be next Monday when we carve. You're going to do the pumpkins we got at the mm-hmm. corn maze? Yep. Woohoo! So we're going to do two different articles, and I have credit for all those people, but uh, basically we're going to do, th- we have three big stories and about 12 little stories. Nice. It's all about Ohio and the hauntings and stuff like that. Ohio that goes bump in the night. And it does go bump in the night. So the first article we're using is Haunted Ohio Valley History, a Halloween Horror Trilogy. This is by Lauren Roberts, Christina Fishnick, and Sean Duff, or Sean Duffy, I'm sorry. With research by Aaron, what was that name I gave you earlier? It's another Rothen... Where's it at? Oh, sorry. I'm... Oh, gosh. This is Rothenbuehler. Rothenbuehler. Yeah. But yeah, so they wrote a nice article, so we're going to use it. So credit to them. Look them up. They do good work. Fantastic Cre- people. Credit. <laughs> so first we're going to talk about the ghost of Egypt Valley. So where is Egypt Valley? So it's actually really close to Cambridge in the Ohio uh, Ohio Bigfoot Conference there at Salt Fork. Oh, so like eastern, middle, mid-eastern Ohio. Yep. It's okay. just south of Salt Fork. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and it's famous for a multitude of things, uh, including Bigfoot. Why is it called Egypt Valley, though? Maybe we'll get into it. Okay. Because I've always heard of it, but I don't know. Yeah, no, and it's just, it's just a valley hmm. that's okay. from Egypt, but it's in Ohio. From Egypt, we brought it in. We yeah. paid for nice. We pay for nice stuff. <laughs> it's a big truck. So the Egypt Valley Wildlife Area sits off of I seventy, past Morristown. They have fourteen thousand three hundred acres of reclaimed strip mine land near Piedmont Lake. Fished Piedmont before many a time. Uh, once gray and barren, is now forested, dotted with well-stocked ponds and streams. This provides home to a variety of wildlife as public land offers hunting, fishing, and hiking opportunities. Egypt Valley is also home of the Salem Cemetery, a quiet place where the graves of local gone or locals have gone for two centuries, but it is now slowly crumbling away. Hmm. Once these graves belonged to Lewis Fox, who died in 1860... One of these graves, sorry, belonged to Lewis Fox that died in 1869 at an age of 13. Oh, okay. Very young death. Yeah. Uh, Louis, or Louise, Louis, L-O-U-I-Z-A. I-Z-A? Mm-hmm. Louisa? Louisa. I can't, I can't read. I don't know if that's even right. We'll go with Louisa. Okay. Lived with her family on a small farm near Suisville, Ohio. She worked nearby as a servant for a family, uh, Alex Hunter, which was a local coal miner. <laughs> Trying to read spooky, but you know, it's not my normal forte. Though she was young, Louisa was uh, contoured or was courted by a 22-year-old Thomas Carr of Sugar Hill, West Virginia. That's a pretty good hike. Keep mind in the 1800s. Yeah, it is. You know, it's 40 miles. From yeah, that's a long journey. Mm-hmm. But you know, you do anything, I guess. After fighting the Civil War, Carr got a job in Hunter's Mine. And took an interest in Louisa. Ah, so he came to the area. He moved there. Okay. Ah, That's to say. If we wait a second, we'd know what the story was. Yeah, be patient. It's a virtue. If you can't tell, I've only read like the titles I used because I wanted to be spooked out. Yeah. However, the young couple's age difference didn't sit well, and Carr's past history of violence came to light based because the call are that he fought in the Civil War. Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
Louise's parents and her employee and employer objected, and the wedding was called off. Oh, so sad. Hate to see it. Carr did not take it well. One day shortly thereafter, he approached Louisa and her brother, Willie, and he, they walked them home. He told Willie he wanted to talk to Louisa in private, and her brother left. Carr kissed her, pulled out a razor, and slashed her throat. Oh, my gosh. We should have put a graphic warning on the front of this. Oh, by the way, this is going. some of these are going to be very graphic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I'll put it in the title. <laughs> I just like how you said it. He kissed her, pulled a razor, and slashed her throat. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As she bled to death, he stabbed her 14 more times. Oh, my gosh. From a distance, Willie witnessed the murder and ran off to tell his parents. He didn't go and try to even just beat the guy up or... Keep in mind, this is her little brother, and she's 13. Oh, okay. He is 22. Oh, jeez. So oh. imagine a 10-year-old trying to beat up a 22-year-old that just slit his brother or sister's yeah, throat. Yeah, never mind. Oh, yeah, I would have ran away too. Yeah, oh, my not, gosh. This know, is awful. We're talking about kids and an adult. Exactly. I think they're, they're, her parents were right about his history of violence. Maybe a little bit. Just a small history of violence. A little bit of a control freak. You think? So Carr hid in the coal mine bunker where he attempted uh, suicide by slashing his own throat. With that, he failed. Uh, so when that failed, he shot himself but survived his injuries. The next morning, he was captured by a posse of angry citizens who placed him under arrest. Carr was in prison, tried, and found guilty. Wonder why. <laughs> and at this time, he claimed that he had murdered 14 other women. But this was never substantiated. He was the first man in Baldmont County to be legally hanged and then the courthouse steps, in fact, then this was not a quick death. Yeah. So, real quick, uh, hangings. You had to have friends to help to have a successful hanging. Because uh, most of the time, your own weight wasn't enough to break your neck. So, you, mm -hmm. s you actually choked to death slowly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, if your friends would jump up, if you had friends, they would jump up and grab onto your body to help snap your neck. Good Lord. And that was the people that cared about you because they didn't want you to suffer for a half hour. Yeah, but I can only imagine a guy like that didn't have much friends. No, no. no. I mean, he pretty much cl he claimed to kill 14 other women in this fashion. And I wouldn't believe him because, you know, people say that anyone that would just do that, uh, it's probably not their first time. Yeah, it seemed very, yeah. And if you're willing to admit it. If right, anybody listens to like serial killer podcasts or anything like that, yeah, I, uh, they talk about like the ramp up. In the house, some serial killers seem to be like their first murder was like already thought out. It's because it's probably not their first murder. It's the first one that they could attach to them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so you'll find a Louisa's grave in Salem Cemetery. The memorial placard on the site of her murder on Stark Road or Stark Lee Road. I'm sorry. A young girl believed to be Louisa's ghost has been seen crying at her grave and at the site of her murder and thought uh, and thought. He, or and thought he was buried. That's weird. It's weirdly written. Thought he was buried at St. Carl Street. Witnesses also claim to see Carr's ghost wandering the road in Egypt Valley. Oh, gosh. I would not want to run into his ghost. Mm -mm. Not at all. Well, I don't think his... Uh, so, anyways, Carr's, uh, Carr's bloody reach may have extended into Wheeling. One of his other alleged victims, Aloy Urchel, supposedly haunt, or haunts Wheelie's Tunnel Green at the site at where Carr claimed he and Joseph Ellis uh, hacked Euclid's body into pieces with a hatchet. However, Claire's uh, perceptions of in this event were never verified, 
and the remains still uh, unclear to this day. Hmm. Now, do you think like uh, with great trauma and like your own death and stuff like that, like if it's really tragic and awful like that, you some of your energy like sticks around? Let's save that for the end. Okay. All right. All right. We'll just read stories for now. Okay. Just good old fashioned history stories. Fun for all the family. Oh, yeah. And these aren't stories, I guess. These are real life events because all these are, you can can find documentation for these. Oh, yeah. He was the first person to be hung in that county on the courthouse steps. Rightfully so. Took about 45 minutes. Well, you know, not Not long enough. Not say, yeah, I was going to say, not say people deserve it, but sometimes Uh, people deserve it. So, foxes and cars, ghosts are not the only residents of Egypt Valley. Ooh. Tales are called the surface uh, of surface mining days, so that's a little different. It's not like the deep down coal mines; they were strip mining. Uh, where a truck driver reportedly falling asleep at the wheel on the back road. Some stories say he was killed when a vehicle over when his vehicle overturned. Others claimed he lived, but they were all recall his arms were severed in the crash. The arms are said to crawl around the cemetery on its fingertips, tapping on gravestones. <laughs> that's so creepy. And if that's not horrifying enough, a pack of hellhounds supposedly roams the hills at night. What's that have to do with it? Just in the cemetery. It's just about how scary that Egypt cemetery. Valley is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm- Finally, what paranormal reporters have become? Uh, what paranormal report would we complete without Bigfoot sightings? Oh wait, before you go on to that one, those arms that mm-hmm. walk around tapping it reminds me of the thing from the Adams family. Yes. Like exactly that. The thing. It's called yeah, it's thing, thing, right? Cousin thing. Yeah. And then I get thing and it confused all the time. A witness once spotted one in 1984. Her daughter had a similar sighting years later. Both described the creature about six foot tall, rather short for a Sasquatch, with long hair, hairy arms. Uh, fortunately for both women, the Egypt Valley Sasquatch are slow runners and rather clumsy. Both escaped with uh, their hairy clutches. Oh, <laughs> But so, like cousin it, <clears throat> yeah. So you have this original long ghost story. You got this guy, twenty-two year old, is courting a thirteen-year-old, yeah. which even at the time was still a little bit of a big age gap. You know, most yeah. of her students would probably be expecting to be eighteen to nineteen, which yeah. is still today. You imagine that is horrific, but right. during the time would have been appropriate. It's probably more normalized or just a normal thing. It was more appropriate back then. Uh, but she fell in love with this guy, and when he couldn't have her, he slit her throat. Yeah. And then tried to kill himself. He failed twice. Thank goodness. Yeah. You Thank know, goodness. He's a failure all around. <laughs> then you have this poor truck driver that fell asleep, and it overturned or survived, but severed his arms, and his arms crawl around, tra- tapping on gravestones. I wonder what that's all about. I don't know. And then you have hellhounds. And yeah. we haven't done a full episode on hellhounds or nothing, but they've popped up in a couple of things. I think uh, the Black Shuck had a little bit about hellhounds. What is it, like a ghost dog? No, uh, kind of. Uh, literally, a lot of times they're perceived by fire, all black giant dogs, uh, evil in nature most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and some people say that they're there to reclaim the spirits and drag them back to hell hmm. or, you know, whatever. There's a Ooh. whole bunch of legends with them. Like, you ever seen the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze? Uh, well, there's a part where, like, the evil dude that kind of murders him well he gets killed later in the movie and like these like black demon like things just rise up and grab his soul and like drag him down it's really scary actually it's really really scary and that's probably what happens yeah 
because Patrick Swayze, he's a good guy. Sam Wheat in that movie. That doesn't happen to him. It's more like these light particles like come floating around, and then a beam of light comes down from the sky, and he looks up at it, and then he eventually... In the beginning of the movie, he doesn't go to the light, but at the end, he goes. It's hmm. a lot more pleasant experience. Thank you for ruining that movie for everybody that may listen to it. It came out in 1980-whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. Patrick Swayze's dead. Like, you should have seen that movie by Patrick now. Patrick Swayze's dead. Well, he's now he's really a ghost. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> and then Egypt Valley is famous for Bigfoot sightings. Ah, interesting. Well, including yeah, it's not far from Salt Fork, so yeah. Including the one we got told by that hunter at Ohio Salt Fork. That was in Egypt Valley. Yeah. Okay, okay. And well, his Bigfoot was clumsy. It, well, it was, well, he never did see it. No, he but, didn't. But it had all the it hallmarks It may have been trucker of, alarms. Huh? Maybe in trucker arms. Yeah, charging him, false bluff charging. Maybe. Maybe. Trucker arms. Oh, trucker arms. <laughs> what? I don't know. It's just part of the story that's going to stick out to me for like probably the next month. <laughs> trucker arms. I They're would... just crawling around by themselves. Right, yeah. That's, see, that's weird in itself. That's a weird one. Um, When I was driving back from Las Vegas this summer, I saw literally probably 30 seconds missed a semi-truck like wreck bad and when i saw when we pulled up it was on the other side of the highway we were driving by there was an overturned semi and literally and it just caught fire and i seen the guy climbing out of his driver's side window door because it was flipped over on its side climb up out of it and then jump out of his semi-truck like that's how close we were to actually seeing the whole thing happen pretty scary like there was a big ball of fire and he's climbing out of this overturned semi and jumping out of it did he have both his arms? He did have both his arms. Okay, he was good. still alive. Good. Yeah. yeah, it was nuts. But the guy in the other truck definitely did not make it. It was it was scary. It was it was weird. But we just missed it. Speaking of bad car wrecks, uh, I won't say his name on here. I knew who it was. Literally outside of Ada, I seen a little uh, Ford Ranger mm-hmm. shoot up like a piece of gum. And I called my mom like, yeah, whoever's in that car is dead. And my mom started crying because it was our friend's kid. Oh, and she had already known that, that he just got in a wreck. Oh, and I didn't know she like. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, whoever's in that truck is dead, bad. Well, and they he, were not dead. They're not good. good. Uh, they were still alive, but he was lucky. Very rough shape. Yeah, but done. I, I, mom, just, I'm like, why are you crying? She's like, yeah, it's X, you know. And I'm like, oh gosh, oops, <laughs> oops. So I'm gonna have you read this one. Yeah, it's all about the ghost of Towngate. So, well, recap real quick. That was Egypt Valley. Yes, Egypt Valley. Spooky area. Spooky area. And there's a lot more than that. We're just kind of hitting the highlights. Yeah. And you can go to Egypt Valley. Uh, Most of the things I think we are going to cover today are stuff you can go to safely. Yeah, absolutely. As in, like, not illegally. Like, uh, we talked about on Patreon, uh, Helltown, Ohio, which has some parts you can go to legally and some parts you cannot. There's there's some local spots around here that are haunted that it's illegal to go to. Mm -hmm, Like Old McGuffey. Oh, I've never been to Old McGuffey. I have not either. Right. Yeah. None of us have. Mm-hmm. I, but I actually never have. Neither have I. Yeah. I know you haven't. Definitely. I know people that have. I would always refuse to go. I didn't even know there was such thing. Mm-hmm. But That's you know good. what I was talking about over in another area, haunted yep. hospitals. But all right. Let's. So you're reading The Ghost of Towngate. The Ghost of. Where's Towngate, Ohio? Well, you'll find out. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, I picked this one because the names. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm just going to read that it's in print. There's a Zion Lutheran Church. And wheel, and wheeling from it's all German. It's like a German name from. So, so try to say it. Oh gosh, why do you do this to me? Say the name. Okay, the church is Lutherisch Zionskirche. 
Yep. It's the German word from. It's just from, Lutheran Zion Church. From, oh gosh, from Geschichter Zion's Gemeet. Okay, in Wheeling, West Virginia. All right, there we go. It's all German. Very German. 1900s Ohio County Public Library Archives. So Wheeling, West Virginia, another one in the same area. So it's right on the border of Ohio. It's yep, on the So river. this is about 30 miles east of our last story. Okay. So whether it is an energy of the crowd or the incredible imaginations of the actors. Oh, let me get my spooky tone. Theaters across the world are well-known sites for hauntings. <laughs> it seems especially true for Wheeling's own Towngate Theater. Located on 2118 Market Street, Towngate, owned and operated by Ogle Bay Institute since 1970, was originally a German Lutheran church. Built in 1850, the church withstood... <laughs> what? Nothing. Oh. I, just EMPs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Built in 1850, the church withstood many major events in its lifetime, including Wheeling's first publicly displayed Christmas tree in 1856 impressive and the formation of the state of west virginia in 1863 so the church predates the forming of west virginia is that how is that possible what oh because it was all west virginia at one it point. was all virginia that's right okay okay on may 21st 1862 a tornado came through the center market area of wheeling blowing down the steeple and partially unroofing st john's Episcopal? Episcopal. Yeah. Church. And demolishing the upper decks of the steamboat mariner docked at Off's Landing. Filled with Union troops and supplies. Thankfully, no one was injured in those incidents. That is very fortunate. But, oh. I was going to say, where's our ghost? And the next word is literally, unfortunately, (laughs) the Zion Lutheran Church was the site of tragedy. That afternoon at 2 p.m., when the tornado stormed through the area, the schoolrooms in the church were filled with children. Due to its unstable architecture, the roof fell in. The north and south walls were damaged. You laugh at children being, like, I did, massacred. Children jelly. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. The upper floor collapsed into the basement under the weight of the heavy timber trusses. Three children died and ten were injured. The church was rebuilt, and the congregation remained there for more than a hundred years. Based on the stories told by Towngate regulars, it seems that the children might have as well. Tim Thompson, director of performing arts with the Ogle Bay Institute and the Towngate Theater, recounts his story told by the late playwright and actor Tom Stobart. One Saturday afternoon in the late 1970s, an acting teacher at Towngate went around the theater and turned off every single light after her classes ended. She locked up and headed to her car. Just as she was ready to pull ready to pull out onto Market Street, she saw two children looking out of the driveway door window. She stopped her car and went back inside the theater. No children could be found. Interesting. So ghost children. Ghost kids. According to Got to love them. Ghost kids. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You got to love them. kids. I don't love them. Michael Jackson does. I don't know what that means. Is that a song you were singing? I think it's from an old Scooby-Doo with Michael Jackson in it. Oh, okay. That's where the connection was. I was like, that's weird. Like, Michael Jackson likes ghost kids. I don't know where you got that thought, but. I think it was was Michael Jackson. 
There was some one, an old Scooby Doo that had ghost kids in it. You might be right. I think pretty sure he was in an episode. Did an episode with them. I think it was that one. That was probably all right. I'll have to look that up. Look that up, friends. Pause the episode. Google ghost Michael kids. Jackson Scooby Doo Ghost Kids, and you'll get this cool song that Justin's singing. Yep. I mean, Mister E. Yeah. <laughs> Mister E. So that's one little story with the church. Here's another. So yeah, real quick, recap it for me. So a woman was turning off like a playwright, I guess. Even though, uh, so the church got turned into the theater. Yes. So now it's a theater. Yes, a theater. So she t- basically turned off lights and seen kids like up upstairs after she was leaving. Ran upstairs and there's no kids. Mm. Right. Yes. Okay. She saw them looking out the window as she was leaving, and she stopped her car, went back inside, and there was no kids in there. Mm. Kids. They could just be playing a prank, hiding. So according, and then here's the next one. According to an October 27th, 1979 article in the Intelligencer. That's a weird name for a paper. Um, some ghosts must remain or must retain their native languages after death. In, an, in a hilarious account that was reported with dead seriousness. Okay, so that's a weird little, con, I don't what's that word? Uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Whatever. Um, two actors were painting the theater one evening and they heard noises coming from the basement given that the building was once occupied by a german lutheran congregation and that services were given in the german language until the bombing of pearl harbor on december 7 1941 one of the one of the actors decided to address the ghost in german the ghost was reported to have groaned when the actor asked it what condition it was in the ghost said to have replied decayed in German. That's creepy. Mm, Needless to like say. Their souls rotting away. Yeah. Or their body that they thought was there. I don't know. Needless to say, the actors ran out of the theater and refused to resume their painting until daylight hours. So it's weird because I've heard this kind of thing before, especially with like Native American ghosts or mm-hmm. spirits. Is it like they don't ever respond to somebody and then randomly like a Native American or somebody that speaks one of the Native American languages. Mm-hmm will like say something to them and they like look at them different like well like i recognize that word here's a thought and maybe they don't hear it necessarily but you know how like words have energy Mm -hmm. maybe it's like that energy in that tongue resonates with them like they may not necessarily be hearing you but it just hits on a different familiar yeah it just hits on an energy level where they react to it 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 impacts them Mm. or they affects them i don't know I don't know. It's weird. Just a thought. So, of course, many regular Towngate performers can tell you what the Thompson refers to as the Towngate ghost. Uh, there's an article here. I don't know. Uh, you can skip over it. It's a yeah. little news article. It's oh, it's, just... it's, it's the one, the tornado, the first one. Yeah. Um, Peter Whitaker was an actor at Towngate when, um, when oh gosh, OI? Really? Least the Zion Lutheran Church in 1969. 1,800 names will be the bane of this show forever. Yes, it will. Uh, And the French. And later purchased in 1970s. (laughs) Although Thompson never met him, Stobart said that Whitaker was a genius and incredibly gifted actor. And he and and founder, artistic director Hal O'Leary got along beautifully. Unfortunately, he had a bad heart from birth and passed away in 1971. 
According to Thompson, Stoddard told them that Peter remained at the town at Towngate as the ghost. Um, so Peter being the where's that at? Want to just say that uh, the infant that died? Oh gosh. No, Peter. I thought I said Whitaker. Yeah, Peter Whitaker was oh, the actor. Okay. The actor. Okay. Yes. Okay. But um, who's the infant that died? That was the ki- the, ki- the three kids. No, didn't you just say somebody died from a heart defect? Oh no, that was not a kid. He um, oh, he was okay. the founder and artistic director of the. Um, I may be jumping ahead of the Towngate or whatever that the acting school or whatever it was, whatever it turned into. He was the founder and artistic director. He had the bad heart and from birth and passed away in 1971. So according to Thompson, Peter remained as a Towngate go- Towngate as the ghost, the artistic and director and founder. So yeah, I mean, you've been working there forever. You might right. as well keep working. You put your heart into it, and it stays there. Um, the story goes that the technical director at the time was in the catwalk, fo- focusing the lights that are above the audience, a very tight space. He was trying to get an even wash of light across the entire stage. The only set piece on stage was an ornate chair, Peter's favorite. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um, the phone started ringing. The technical director went down a ladder to the phone that did not have a view of the stage. When he answered it, there was no one there. So he hung up and returned to the lights only to find that all 12 lights were now focused on Peter's favorite chair. Although we often think of ghosts as being malevolent spectators that drift through the world, scaring the living, Peter Whitaker's ghost is not of that sort. Thompson reports anyone who has acted or taken classes at the town gate knows that Pe- knows of Peter, the ghost of town gate. He is friendly, loves the theater, and to my knowledge, has never scared anyone. So it sounds like a, as he was focusing these lights, yeah, the phone rang and kind of to pull him away from the lights, only to have him go back later to see that they were refocused on the chair. And maybe that was a sign of Peter, you think? I'm like saying like, hey, I'm here, um, just like, I don't know, making his presence known, but not in a scary way. It's just like, this is my favorite chair. Focus the, like, I'm focusing this attention, the lights on me, and just saying, I'm here. Here's my presence. Almost like to remind people, like, his spirit is there and good intentions. And or, ooh. or it's a demonic presence or an evil spiritual presence that doesn't want much attention to it for yeah. its actions doing the back. So it's pretending to be him. With these little nods to him. Ooh. So people are like, oh, it's just him. So we don't pay no mind to him. It's a psyop. Mm-hmm. Oh, a ghost psyop. Mm-hmm. Because we'll get into our opinions at ghosts at the end of this. Okay. So that was the, the town gate ghost stories. Town gate. So next. Ooh, who do we have next? Well, do you want to read it? Yeah. The Rothermond Ghost. Rothermond. Rothermond. That just reminded me of crab people. Okay, so Martin's Ferry, Ohio. Once again, this is literally right on just... On the river, right? Yeah, right south of Wheeling. So these all three are like on top of each other. South or north of Wheeling? Because Wheeling's in West Virginia, right? Right, so I'm just saying it's south down the river a little bit. Oh, gotcha. Uh, Frank the Tank, oh, friend of our show, now I he's you. from Martin's Ferry. Okay. That's literally the only reason I know where Martin's Ferry is, because it's a little tiny town. Oh, nice. Frank so I, the Tank. Mm-hmm. Shout out Frank. Hey, Frank, I don't know if you listen to this, but he's on our Facebook all the time helping okay. out. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to podcasts. He's an old soul. Okay. So this is by Sean Duffy. Very 
Irish name. Yes. Or indeed. Scottish. Is well, Duffy Scottish? I don't know. Yeah, they're right on top of each other. It's one and the same. Yeah. Uh, don't yeah. tell them that. I was going to say. <laughs> I'll get stabbed. Very rude. It's very fitting for this, this, uh, this show. So, Sarah Ribold. Okay, so we're getting right into it. Yeah. Sarah Ribold screamed. She threw off her bed sheets and ran to her infant son's room, scooping up the baby as in his bedding, clutching the bundle tightly to her chest. She howled, stealing herself to the dark and dart past the dead man's room. Its heavy door or its heavily door now somehow cracks open despite having been bolted shut from the outside. A hunched black shadow of an old man emerges as she flew by, creeping along the wall behind her, growing impossibly taller as it moved. Sarah screamed again, nearly falling as she bounded in terror down the well-worn wooden steps, slick as ice in her socked feet, to the front door of the old brick house. As she fumbled with the lock with her trembling, free hand, she glanced repeatedly over her shoulder, to see if she's been followed. A green vapor caressed down the stairway. Ooh, green vapor. Pushing a generous stench into Sarah's fleeting nostrils just as she ear, er, ear, as just as she ear slippingly gutturally groaned caused okay. her to nearly leap out of her skin. So ear so, slippingly. So yes. So what you're describing is someone farted. <laughs> <laughs> and the green vapor is following <laughs> entered her nostrils and made her scream. Been Fine. there. Finally, she managed to slide the bolt free. She threw the door open, ran, heading a long way down the front steps in utter panic, tripping over the sidewalk, falling awkwardly onto her back in the middle of Morris Street. She struggled to her feet, clutching what now wailing baby more tightly into her breast. She, she sprinted north down Second Street running as fast as she could through the cold, wet air in her rather thin nightgown towards her home of her friend, Pearl, who lived a full block away. Between gasps, Sarah continued to scream methodically, hoping to awaken the entire town of Martin's Ferry to save her son from the icy talons of the dreadful specter she was certain that was chasing her down the rain-slick cobblestone streets. The shouts of the neighbors and barking dogs embodied her, stirring hope that if she was screaming loudly enough, her husband Harry, a stonemason working nights on the Union Bridge, might also somehow hear and rush to her rescue. Mm. Bird's eye view of the map of Barton's Ferry in 1890 showing the location of this Roman house is present in this article. If you guys want to go look it up so you can kind of see the path she took. Oh, nice. Okay. So, arriving at the la- arriving at last at the whitewash house, so that's Pearl's friend, Sarah stumbled painfully up the stone steps. Uh, she pounded on the front door, and the baby continued to wail. Her legs and feet were throbbing. She slid on the, onto the floor, panting and, cr- and cradling her son, peering back to the poorly-lit street, eyes darting, scanning the moonlit night and the fog for the dreaded hunchback shadow. After what seemed to be an eternity, the door flung open, and she stood... An express, or basically, or, sorry, an exalted John, the, her husband of her friend. Uh, he's burly. He's a burly glass worker with an iron skillet in one hand and a lamp in the other. Who goes there? He growls, menacingly. The lamplight danced 
onto the confused visage, seeing her friend in a perloxed of sobbing on the ground. Pearl then gasped, stumbled from behind her husband, and helped Sarah and her baby into the sanctuary of the warm house. Dang. So basically, she's in this house. This hunchback, horde-fingered figure yeah. starts chasing her and her baby down. She's running through the rain-covered street. Like it's raining. It's dark. Yeah. It's cold. So this story above really happened, and at least according to the newspaper reports citing numerous eyewitnesses. Uh, Sarah, who may or may not have been actually named Sarah, was said to have been white as a sheet, unable to speak from fear, her entire body trembling unconsciously. The doctor was called to the scene, diagnosed the condition as basically hysteria, and continued that the experience would have killed nine, wim- or nine women out of ten. From being like overstressed or something? Yeah, so hysteria in the back day was like basically for the borderline heart attack. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But what could have terrified Sarah and to nearly kill her? What exactly was the near fatal experience in which the doctor referred to? Hmm. What do you think that thing was? Well, we're getting into it. Okay. It all started with a large two story brick house owned by a German Prussian slash immigrants. Augustus. Rothermond. Is that how we decide to say it? Yep. Rothermond. And Hannah Rothermond. Uh, it was a corner of 2nd and Monroe Street in Martins Ferry, Ohio. I'm, I should call. We should call Frankie live and like, hey, do you know where the street is? He's right. like, yeah, yeah, I grew up in that house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, so Mrs. Rothermond died somewhat strangely in June of 1889. A large, healthy woman is how she was described. Hmm. A large, healthy woman. Yes. I feel like that's how I'd be described. <laughs> a large, healthy woman? Yeah. <laughs> Just looked at me from the back. Yeah. Uh, who went to bed seemingly in good faith, died of heart failure in her sleep. Mm. We have a lot of healthy. Germans. Healthy. We have a lot of Germans and a lot of heart failure in these stories so far. Mm. It's mostly a German immigrant area. That makes sense. So I was going to say, yeah, it's not uh, not too odd. Germans, the way they eat like I do, so heart failure, I get it. Right, healthy. Yeah. Her daughter, who was in bed next to her, heard her mother groan before her heart stopped. An interesting detail given in the experience of Mrs. Morgan, uh, see below. Hannah's husband, uh, August, Civil War veteran, successfully building, or successful building contractor and general store owner, followed her in death just a couple months later in Ooh. August. Indeed, uh, Augustus death or died of June of grief in August. Uh, a couple was buried in the Riverview Cemetery. Sorry, August and Augustus look very similar. I know, so right? are having problems. And it, was, uh, it was after Augustus's death that all sorts of peculiar demonstrations oh. started happening at the house. Demon. Demonstrations. Good, pl- good pun there. I'm great. <laughs> no, you're and, pa- and powerful. And powerful. Uh, so basically, after the death of her parents, uh, there were other uh, Rotherman's son. Uh, there were six children: Lewis and William. Ba- uh, so two of the boys moved into the house, living with their families on the upper levels and lower floors. So basically, they, these two sons with their families split the house. Mm-hmm. It was a very large house. Several weeks after they had settled in, the haunting started. Lewis's wife saw. A water pitcher dance in its bowl. Residents saw and heard ghosts that were through uh, thought to be frustrated spirits of Augustus. 
walking around the house. These frequent visitations got so bad that Lewis and his family moved out, selling the upstairs house to one John Morgan, a street roller at the Etha Male Ithaca male who uh, was not afraid of ghosts in this world. So yeah, so and it's weird. It's kind of a common thing that hauntings don't start till after you're settled in. Right. And I think it's because whatever's there wants you not to leave as easily. Right. They enjoy torturing you. So they don't want to put it on while everything's still in a box. Right. Because yeah. then it's Ready easy to, to just be like, get out of All there. right. Well, we're moving. And it might have to like read you almost first before it knows what it can do to scare you and stuff like that mm. or creep you out. Touch your toes. Yeah. See, but you might like that. So then it's like, ah, that didn't work. Right. Yeah. I might be into that sort of stuff. Um, do you think this spirit or ghost that the woman saw in the original story is Augustus? Or do you think that this ghost was there before even Augustus and his wife? So we'll get back to Sarah because we're talking about before right. Sarah's scene. So is this Augustus? Is, is, are you asking, is the black figure that Sarah's seen Augustus? Augustus or it, was it already there even when Augustus was there? Mm, maybe. Mm. Maybe both. Maybe not. Well, it can't be both. <laughs> Time travel. <laughs> yeah. But the ghost of Augustus soon went to work on Morgan's wife and children. So basically, Morgan wasn't scared of ghosts. He's like, fine. Your kids, your kids aren't as tough as you. Terrifying them at night while John was at work. After Night after night, the covers were yanked off of Mrs. Morgan while she slept. She saw the children were awakened by hideous groans. Uh, the organ would play music, even though no one was in the parlor accompanied by the possession of water pitchers, which continued to be an ominous dance. Windows shattered and locks, uh, locked doors flew open seamlessly on their own, while disembodied footsteps regularly echoed through the house like Lewis, uh, like the Lewises before them. And the Morgan family beat a hasty but in- entirely understandable retreat. So basically, yeah, they didn't stay very long. Mm-hmm. Right, understandably. So next up... The Rideables. So Sarah. Okay. So now we're on there. Soon after the stonemason and his young family moved in, the thrilling experience in supernatural demonstrations resumed with a vengeance. Uh, Sarah seemingly to be the primary target of the ghost uh, antics. They reported a half dozen crazed, a half crazed with flight nearly all the time. So Sarah was like being tortured pretty much constantly. Mm-hmm. She was half crazy at any given time. Such that Pearl, her friend, had uh, was brought to live in the house and take care of her. Pearl basically corroborated her all, of, uh, all of Sarah's stories, seeing the same stuff but not taking it to heart like she did. And then that kind of leads into the final night we just talked about. Right, yeah, where she gets chased, runs out of the house basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's pretty. That's pretty much it. It's just this haunted house, and seeing, uh, they're still seen there. The uh, the demon or the ghost is still often seen. Really, I, I don't think anybody lives there anymore. I think it's like a historical site. Yeah, I mean, would you? No, exactly. Um, yeah, I wonder though if that ghost had been there before even Augustus and them. I think so because I don't think it's a ghost. Uh, hmm. So we have. Did it kill his wife? No, remember they. She made it to Pearl's house. No, 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 not her. The Augustus's wife. Remember, she died of the heart attack. And she sleep? died before Augustus. Right. Yeah. Do you think if that ghost was there, you think it, it had a played a role in that? So, 
Yeah, it could have. Uh, they could also be, she could be a very big German woman that enjoyed food. But she might have been, right, which is could be true, but that could also make her susceptible to pastries. Pastries and ghost uh, heart attack things. I don't know. I, every time I think of a, a healthily heavy German woman, I don't think of her being very scared of ghosts. You imagine, think of like the Oktoberfest ladies that bring you your beer yeah. and them seeing a ghost in the corner and them just throwing a beer pitcher at it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I can't do a good German act. Get out of here! <laughs> you scary customers! It went right to Asian. Uh, <laughs> it just... I can't do I can't do accents. It's very Asian. It was good, like very stereotypical. Get out of your fraud line! <laughs> Just throwing the freaking boot at somebody. Going for German, it landed right on Asian. <laughs> That's funny. I I did Australian once and it landed. I think it under German. <laughs> it's just, I can't do accents. Oh, it's funny. But no, so energy sticking around. Uh, you were asking about it earlier, so let's dive into that. Yeah. Yeah, what about it? So, yeah, ask me your question again. Like, uh, do you think... What, I forget exactly how I posed it before. Or what brought it up, the question. What exactly question do you want me to ask you about? The energy sticking around? Yeah. Like, do I think that this thing was here before Augustus died? Yeah, so basically all three of our stories have ghosts that seem to take on appearances of dead people that happen after right yeah oh like the guy from the theater like the supposed you know the, the yeah. nice one that everyone yeah. seemed to enjoy it's just weird how there's so much different accounts when it comes to ghosts like it can be extremely terrifying or it can not be at all and i think it really depends on what so yeah what do you think so do you think energies can stick around from people well yeah it's, i i i believe that yeah i think so so conscious energies See, that's where I don't know. I don't know if it's conscious or not, or if it's just almost like a, uh, not a replay, but it's so like, like a, yeah, we talk about replay, like replay ghost sightings where like Civil War battles and stuff like yeah. that. There's nothing there. See, there's not, no consciousness there. They're just redoing the yes. same action that they died in. But even like the energies that may seem conscious or do these things, um, what if it's just like a, like, how do I explain this? Like, Almost like their personality sticks around, like it's that energy that sticks around, but it may not necessarily be that conscious person or their soul or, or spirit. something using their energy or something. Yeah, maybe or something, their personality. Yeah, something absorbs like that energy of them because it is that person's life, like energy, your personality, it's your emotions. That's all your energy. Like if that energy sticks, it may not be like your consciousness attached to it, but that energy might stick and linger and then other things can tap into that and absorb it and use it to interact with you. I, you know, and if you have good energy about you and that sticks around, maybe something dark can attach itself to that, but it can only use the energy that you left behind. So if you have like a really tragic death or something, you might be um, expelling a lot of negative traumatic energy, I guess. And maybe that can stick around. And then ghosts can, or ghosts, demons, whatever it is, can attach themselves to that, and they can harm, you know, use that energy that's still there. I don't know. Ghosts aren't real. Ghosts aren't real. That's my hard opinion. I think they're <laughs> all. I don't think human spirits get to stick. I don't think anything you see that acts like a human or mimics a human. I think yeah. you have one of two ways it goes. Personally, 
I think that you have, like we kind of talked about these burnt images in time, mm-hmm. like the trucker's arms maybe like that and stuff like that, because there's nothing really there. Yeah. There's not a soul there. There's not consciousness there. It was just something so traumatic it gets burned in like a reverse image. Right, yeah. yeah. And it just does the same small action repeatedly or doesn't even move half the time. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these ghosts just stand in one spot. They're, right. they're not real. They're just... There. They're, yeah, they're energy reflections. There's nobody there. There's not a soul there. And then if it does have a soul, if it does communicate with you, if it does talk to you, if it does ask for help or does these funny little things, mm-hmm. I fully believe it's all demonic. Yeah. It's demons pretending to be people to either work behind the curtains. Some demons scare people with it, and some do these frightening things. Others, I like uh, Annabelle's a famous one, acting mm-hmm. like a little girl until yeah. God's permission. They use these recently dead people for sympathy. Or to do stuff behind the curtains and not get noticed, like the guy in the theater. Yeah. As well, like, so if I keep showing these little things that make me look like that guy, when I move this cup or whatever, or if I do these things in the back, nobody's questioning it. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just him. So you don't think, like, dead relatives could, like, make their presence known? That's a little different. I don't think your grandma can haunt your house. Right, right. But, But I think... There's subtler ways that they can say hello or we're watching over you and stuff like that. Like guardian angels kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, kind of that. Thing. But not, I don't think they can, they, they can't communicate with us. They they can't come down and talk to you. Um, but they can do these little things just to say like, hey, you know, you're loved and you're being watched. Right. And I believe that. But they're not I, here. Right. Right. They're not here. Phys- well, Metaphysically. Not Metaphysically. There you yeah. go. There's a good term. But they're not, I, they're, yeah. It's more like sending a letter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Um, what would you ex- explain about, or how would you explain, like, when people take photographs and stuff, and they see, like, former relatives that have passed kind of show up in a ghostly image in the back? And it can be everything from, like, we kind of talked about the like the afterburn. Like, somebody in a house for so long yeah. that it just happens to get their image there. Like, it's stuff that we may not be able to perceive. Like, there could be that, right. that non-consciousness. But, you know, Grandpa walked around the house so much that I'm sure he's left some shadow images here. Right, yeah. And some energy some, behind. Yeah. Eventually, you know, a camera could pick up on that, especially specifically Polaroids. That's the one that used to get a lot of them. Uh, um, story, my grandma had a old Polaroid, and I believe it was her, was it her dad? I'm trying to remember. There was a, there was, it was either her, yeah, I think it was her dad or uncle, but I think it was her dad. It's an old photo. And there is a lingering image in the background of his face in one of our our photos. And see, that can even be on the camera, having some kind of his energy pressed there from other pictures. Uh, Possibly. But it it don't have to be him. It doesn't have to be a demon either. It's not him, and it it don't have to be a demon, in my opinion. This is all, you know, very, very opinionated. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he can just, he was there so much. Yeah. You know, that... A, a shadow burn can be there. And that's what it was. It was a, a picture on their farmhouse yeah. where he lived. See, you never get pictures of, like, Uncle Tony over at, you at know. Disneyland. Yeah. You know now, that I would mean? be crazy. And if you do, it's probably a demon. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that's... And that's the thing of buying favor. Hmm. So now they, they're less excuse. Basically, a lot of this is the vampire kind of rule, is that demons can be there. They can be in your house without permission. Yeah. But when you give them permission... Then it's holy ball game. Yeah. Yeah, it's pro leagues then. Yeah. They can start throwing stuff off the walls and stuff like that. Even if you give them accidental permission. Or like, you know, the case of Annabelle pretending to be this little girl. Yeah. 
And, and so a like, doll, right? And, well, no. So just a demon or a, a little girl ghost wandering around the house. Oh, gotcha. And she kept saying she really misses her body. Yeah. And so they go and buy a Raggedy Ann doll. They're like, well, you can have this body. And they're like, oh, you sure? They're like, yeah, this is all yours. So they gave her permission. Mm. And then she tried to choke a guy to death and like cut his face. Is that pretty much the origins of Chucky? Yeah, it's Annabelle. It's kind of Annabelle got split though. Yeah. Several different things. Whew. Yeah, that would suck. I think Annabelle in the movie is like a porcelain doll. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, but Annabelle in real life is a Raggedy Ann doll. Oh, okay. Yeah, that wouldn't look as good on a camera. Uh, I think it'd be ter- more, a lot more scary. Uh, okay. It's harder to sell, maybe. Though. A Raggedy Ann covered in blood? Yeah, trying to choke you out. Has claws just pop out of it? stuffing out. Like, all right, let me just pull your stuffing out. I don't think you want to open it up, because I think uh, it's not stuffing anymore on the oh, inside. Oh, okay. Ugh. I think it's black goo. Ooh. Yeah. No, thank you. Ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. But yeah, so I don't believe in traditional ghost. I don't think... I'm not saying that people don't see yeah. ghost. That's not what I'm saying. I want to make that clear. I believe people see these things. I've seen these things. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're people. It's I com- think they're demonic entities. I think they're all... That's the whole goal. It's a compelling thought. It's like, what is this lingering around? Is it? Or it's shadow burn. There's nothing really there. Yeah, uh, you're stuck on the Earth electromagnetic field. Ah, yes, there we go. The electric universe. The electric universe. Electric boogaloo, <laughs> part two. Cat mutilations. Electric boogaloo, part two. That'll make sense in the future. I guess so. From recording this. Yes. Is that is that Clarice your dog? Yep, she's inside. Okay. The dog just broke into the studio and just turned around and left. <laughs> Why? Why did she do that? Okay. I don't know. Just to be terrifying. I think we mentioned her in the last episode. Or no, we mentioned her. She's mentioned in your Bigfoot story from long ago. She's 19-year-old dog. I, 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 that would just struck me when we were at Tony's. That uh, Yes. Crazy, crazy dog. Yeah. Still alive. I think she's got a ghost living in her. I think she is a ghost. I think keep, she actually died. Keeping her alive. No, I think she actually died and her body's somewhere in the house. We just haven't found it yet, and her ghost is just walking around. Just think it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to add more to the ghostly <laughs> stories, ghost dog. She's a hellhound. And then, like, so there's just so much to ghost. But, like, then we went to Moonville. Yeah. You know, we have a whole episode of Moonville. You know, look it up. That's one place you'd actually go. I have a little list before we go here in a minute just to kind of go over some areas you can go to to see yeah. paranormal things. Uh, but Moonville's a good one. It's just, you know, it's a lot of activity is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, it feels heavy. It was eerie. It feels like, that's why I was describing it. It feels heavy. Mm-hmm. Like the atmosphere is always very heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of weird death associated with Moonville. Um, like I said, we have a full length episode on it. Go, you know, go listen. We Season went to, one. We went to Moonville. Yeah. Uh, but you can go to these places and feel these things. And I always say, make sure you always say, you know, nothing is welcome to come home with me, and we always pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of these stuff will tag along with you. Just protect yourself. Mm-hmm. You want a couple of these off this other list? Sure. Just want me to re- read off a couple of places people can go? Yep. Just pick a, pick them randomly. There's this off a list online, 14 haunted places in Ohio, or 14 haunted things. The first one I looked up was The Legend of Moonville. That's funny. Okay, let's do Eugene the Mummy. That sounds interesting. Tell us about Eugene the Mummy. The small town of Sabina, known as the Eden of Ohio, was once home to Eugene the Mummy, an unidentified dead man who became an unusual roadside attraction. 
and was displayed in the town for more than 36 years. People came from all over the country to see him, but he was never identified. Today, Eugene rests in a grave in the town's cemetery. The headstone reads, Eugene, found dead, 1928, buried, 1964. So I guess you can't see him anymore, but that's kind of crazy. They had him on display for 36 years. Just a dead body they found. Just a dead body they found. That's weird. Ooh, oh, here we go. The Hauntings of Waynesville. Within Wayne Township in Warren County, you'll find the village of Waynesville. It's a quaint, historic town with a population of approximately 2,834. And it's, that's funny. Approximately, and then a very specific number. number. But it's rumored to have more than 30 haunted places. This is seemingly no- the seemingly normal small town is actually deemed the most haunted village in Ohio. Ooh, by author Chris Woodyard of the popular Haunted Ohio books. So if you want to go to a haunted place, there's a good one, Waynesville, Ohio. Actually, has a book sitting behind me right now. That's pretty awesome. Ooh, the Lizard Man. Let's look that up. Along the Miami River near Loveland, the legend has it that lurks a, a man who looks like a lot like a lizard or a lizard who looks a lot like a man, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. That's true. It's, it's in the eye of the beholder. I'm and, not holding any bees. And oh, come on now! In the 1970s, local residents and police reported the sighting of a strange lizard or frog-like man. Oh, so it's just the Frog Man. It's the Frog Man of Loveland. I just wondered if you were going to get to it. No, I just did. Well, there's the Frog Man. We all know about the Frog Man. We love the Frog Man episode. I think three we did on here. Very. I think early, it is. I think it is three. Yeah, very early beginnings of the show. Okay, here we go. Now this just sounds like a good title: The Legend of Gore Orphanage. That sounds pretty bad, but now Gore used to be a name. See, that's I figured that, but at the same time, the double entendre with that word—that well, sounds let's scary. See if it's like a meat grinding packing plant. <laughs> yeah, orphans. Okay, this legend starts at the end, and oh, legend starts and ends with Gore Orphanage Road. According to Weird Ohio, there was once an orphanage alongside this road in Vermilion, Ohio, in the late 1800s. Supposedly, a mysterious fire burned down the orphanage. And old man Gore lost his license to run an orphanage. <laughs> I wonder why. So a new orphanage was never built. Today, today pra- brave explorers have reported distant screams of children in the area, as well as children's handprints mysteriously appearing on their car. Ooh, that's pretty scary. So Gore, where, where is that? Um, what did I say? That is Vermil- Vermilion, Ohio. That's up by Cleveland. Right. Hmm, interesting. I think I don't know for sure. Pick one more. One more. Okay, let's do. Um, ooh, let's do. You want to do the deadly history of Ohio's witches' towers or the legend of Walhalla Road? Is it Walhalla or Walla Walla? Walhalla. Walhalla. Do Walhalla. Okay, the legend of Walhalla Road. Ohio is full of haunted streets that have become the centerpieces of local legends. Literally, we have the most crybaby bridges of anywhere in the country. And I have some Ohio Halloween facts for the end. And we, we I had mentioned one on. Uh, Locally, that was on our first uh, fake or real cryptid show. Cheating. I, I cheated. But there is, there's one in central Ohio that's probably the creepiest. Within a unique geographical niche in North Columbus Winds, Wahala Road. Oh, sorry. I read that wrong. Within a unique geographical niche in North Columbus Winds, Wahala Road, where it's said that a nightly passerby are haunted by a man. Set at night, passerbys are haunted by a man who killed his wife and children before committing suicide beneath the road's bridge. Typical Ohio guy. Mm-hmm. The legend of this infamous road m- 
may vary, but the hauntings remain. So that's mm, Wahala Road in northern Columbus. Happy Halloween. Ohio has the most haunted houses of any place in the country. Ooh. It's almost, I think it's double the next one below us. Dang. Uh, Ohio was not doing well. Was not or is? Is not doing well mentally. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's doing very well in the haunted house boom business. <laughs> it's booming. Yeah. Clearly. Ohio is just haunted. It's always been haunted. It's like the whole state's built on ancient Indian burial grounds or it something. It probably is. Well, it is. And I mean, we plowed over all the ancient mounds that were here. Yeah. Ohio is a bad place. It's a great place. It's a bad place. It's wonderful. Happy it's wonder- Halloween. Scary. Yes. And if you guys want to go to a haunted house, look them up locally. They are fun. Just enjoy yourself. Have fun this Halloween. And eat some candy, but not too much. Be careful out there. Halloween is always full of weirdos. But please, if you guys have a good costume, post it on the Facebook page. Oh yeah, we'll share it. Yeah. We'll, I like costumes. Yep, yeah, I love seeing everybody's you know creati- or creativity. I can't, I can't speak. That was good. Okay, uh, I love seeing it. Uh, remember, we have Facebook. Uh, we have Instagram. Instagram. We got Patreon. Patreon. We got thirty-three episodes on Patreon. I looked. Oh, nice. Well, maybe by the time this is recorded, we got more. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it it will be. Well, it should be. So join us, friends, on next week's episode of Cryptids of the Corn podcast. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.